comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The scene is probably a familiar one. You are home when you hear a knock at the door. You look out the window or the peephole to see who is there, and you see two people who are strangers to you. They're clean-cut, friendly-looking, and each is holding a Bible and some pamphlets. They wait patiently for you to open the door. Or another scene, you're walking down a city street and a man approaches you. He does not ask for money, but he asks if he can tell you about Jesus. What do you say? If we're honest, many of us have to admit that being evangelized is not our favorite thing. Or maybe I should speak for myself, it is not my favorite thing. I am wary in part because I don't know what the message will be. I don't like to be told that my faith is wrong or that my eternal destiny is in question. I don't like to feel pressured into conversations about doctrine. It leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I suspect that I'm not alone. The word evangelism is used less and less by congregations, at least mainline ones. Maybe this is because we associate it with these kind of encounters. Or maybe the word evangelism is just too weighed down by the baggage of an imperial style of Christianity throughout history. I understand that, but it feels sad to me. Because evangelism is not really about ensuring proper doctrine. It's about sharing the life that God has shared with us, 
the life that we've come to know in Christ. The good news of God in Christ, like a beautiful melody or like love itself, longs to be shared. God's life is abundant and generous. The harvest is plentiful, Luke writes. This abundant life actually isn't just a private matter. The Christian faith isn't primarily about my own personal enlightenment or my own salvation. It is about God drawing near to us in mercy and grace, sharing God's very life with us for the sake of the whole world. And yet public faith, shared faith, is so fraught with rhetoric of superiority and exclusion. Evangelism can quickly become a trail of tears. And so I'm thankful for this text before us today, the story of Jesus sending out the multitude to share the gospel in word and deed. I find so much wisdom here, wisdom that is helpful to me all these centuries later as I try to imagine and wrestle with what it means to be one who bears Christ's name in the world, one who is sent out in his name. Jesus gives remarkably specific instructions in this passage. There is no broad generalization like we find in Matthew's gospel, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is very specific about both the content of the good news that these people will share and the manner in which they are to share it. I'd like to say a couple words about each of these things, content and manner. When we read this passage, we see that Jesus practically writes a script for his apostles. When you meet people, you are to share God's peace with them. Peace be on this house. The first words of your mouth are to be words of peace. I guess this could sound like a casual greeting, but I don't think it is. Jesus actually tells them not to take time with a lot of idle chit-chat along the way. This is something more, this greeting, something that's at the heart of the gospel. It is because of who God is and what God has promised that we are invited to live in peace, that we do not have to live in perpetual anxiety and fear and conflict. Peace be with you was a countercultural message in Jesus' day living as they did as an occupied nation in the Roman Empire. I think it's a countercultural message in our day, too. The voices of our culture recite an endless litany of all that we need to be afraid of, all that should terrify us, all that divides us from each other. Sharing the peace of God is an act of resistance. It's to say no to the fear-mongering, and yes, to God's vision of shalom. This may seem obvious to us. We are marinated in this vision and in this language of peace. But there are many in our world who know nothing of God's shalom, for whom faith in God seems to be only an endless source of strife and violence. There are many who have never experienced the peace that passes understanding. We know this gift. 
It has been shared with us in Christ. We, in turn, are called to share it intentionally, generously, freely. The first thing Jesus instructs his apostles to speak is a word of peace. He entrusts them with another message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Or as Eugene Peterson translates it, God's kingdom is right on your doorstep. Now, I suppose that unless we know something about what this kingdom is like, this might not sound like very good news. But Jesus spent his entire ministry showing us what the reign of God looks like. Healing and forgiveness, breaking down false barriers that divide, opening our eyes when we are blind, freeing us from the captivity of our sin, loving us with a love stronger than death. And he promises that God's reign is not somewhere far off waiting for us for when we die. This reign is near to us now, in the present. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live this good news. We share it perhaps most effectively in our actions as we do the work of healing and forgiving and breaking down barriers, when we do the difficult work of love. Our lives become the message. The reign of God is near. Now sharing the abundant, generous life of God requires an unnerving level of vulnerability. Jesus speaks to this when he describes the manner in which these 70 are to do their work. Don't take anything with you, he tells them. Not even an extra pair of shoes, or a wallet. Can you imagine? Don't pack a lunch or a water bottle or even an energy bar. Leave your cell phone at home. You don't need a GPS system for this journey or any pepper spray or mace. Yes, there will be wolves, but you are being sent as lambs. How often throughout the history of Christianity have we needed to be reminded that we are on team lamb, not team wolf. We do not prey on people. Our methods are not those of coercion or domination, but hospitality and mutuality. It sounds so strange to my American ears Jesus speak against self-sufficiency. That is such a value that we hold. Yet his disciples are to rely on others. It is their assignment. They are to be good guests in the world. We who know the grace of God in Christ Jesus, we do have something valuable to offer our neighbors. But our neighbors have something valuable to offer us as well. The mutual giving and receiving of gifts is the vision Jesus casts for his followers. The work of judgment is not ours. The work of figuring it all out is not ours. Ours is to share God's peace, to point to the nearness of God's reign, and to live as good guests in the world. The rest is up to God. It's not easy work to be sent into the world sharing God's life, to be evangelists, but it is deeply meaningful and rewarding work. 
For the promise we get to share is the same promise that has claimed us, the promise that God's love for this world is everlasting and that we are held securely in that love throughout this life and into the life to come. Thanks be to God. Amen.